0: I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field.
1: Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is rugby Robbie Weekly. Then the first pass. Let's oh! Go! Oh! Drive Magic. Hey everybody and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey with you here, joined by the 42 rugby journalist Murray Kinsler. Murray, before we dive into it, how the hell are you, my friend?
0: And good, typical Friday here, I'm, I'm guessing you're the same and everyone in media is the exact same, you're trying to squeeze a hell of a lot into the the last day of the week and things build up, but I'm going to Towman Park tomorrow, so looking forward to match day and what is an intriguing derby between two sides who've had their injury and gastro issues in the last couple of weeks, so um, another fun weekend, how are you getting on Gav?
1: I'm absolutely buzzing, we're on the precipice of Cork Jazz weekend here and I'm oh. on an early shift as we record on a friday so i'm gonna make my way into town uh, embarrassingly early <laughs> try and find a a nook or a snug somewhere with some of the early birds and uh, yeah make sure we get in before it's thronged but yeah busy on the work front so it's kind of been like my week is building towards this and uh i'm looking forward to yeah just seeing people hearing a bit of jazz it's like if people haven't been to it mm. it might sound strange obviously like a jazz weekend in cork it's not necessarily a hotbed for jazz but been going on now i'd say twenty, twenty-five years and it's uh it's just an amazing there's an amazing atmosphere to it everybody is kind of buoyant it's uh it's a nice one yeah so
0: it's on my bucket oh, cool. so i still haven't managed to make it down um but in fairness pretty much anything in cork is good what a great city <laughs> i'm not even from cork it's usually cork people saying that no,
1: you are in fairness you've been a decent sort of advocate for Cork, <laughs> uh despite being a foreigner uh we had uh Two members pods obviously this week murray it's members.the42.e if anybody listening who isn't a member would like to join us for those extra pods the latest of which was on wednesday where we dove into the financial state of the game uh, you own Tulin, and bernard jackman did an amazing job critically acclaimed i think at this point based on some <laughs> of the feedback we got but for anybody who's tuning into this free pod today who isn't a member we also made that Uh, Wednesday pod free for non-members yesterday so it should be in this same feed if you fancy listening to that it's about an hour and 10 minutes Uh, a state of the world address by the three boys as much as anything and yesterday Murr and we're going to dive into this on today's pod there was a bit of a state of the nation address by David Nusifora can you give us an idea as to how that conversation actually goes because it feels like every year when you guys sit around with him loads of strands come from it and headlines and newslines, lines, et cetera. And yet I'm not sure if the rugby public necessarily dive into everything that's said because there is so much of it. And also administrative figures just aren't the most objectively or maybe subjectively interesting to uh, fans of a sport. So how does it actually work to begin with? And then we'll get into what you guys spoke about.
0: Yeah, well, it was over a year since the last one. So it was kind of long overdue. Um, yeah, we meet in the Aviva Stadium. We're all sitting in a, one of the kind of boxes overlooking the pitches and David Nussifor strolls into the room and he does a bit of an address at the top of the, the kind of hour and a half where he speaks unbroken for, what was, I think it was 40 minutes yesterday, um, giving his thoughts on Irish rugby, the health of it or lack of in certain areas maybe. Um, and there's interesting stuff in there. It's obviously his slant on things and then it's open to questions. I think we went 50 minutes yesterday where everyone can get their their questions in there and and the topics are are wide ranging and and certainly it is a it's maybe a hard read at times sometimes because there's so much in it and it's similar uh, for a journalist trying to get pieces out of it there's so much in it it's very dense and um and obviously it's not all headline stuff there's little snippets of different things and yeah it's it's generally quite interesting um and yeah, he's a guy who's spoken about a lot and attracts a lot of criticism, obviously, but um, it's always good to get his slant on things and and it's obviously very different to the other people's, but um, he'll answer most things and, and if he disagrees with you, he'll be happy enough to say that as well. So yeah, yesterday was interesting. There was a lot of stuff around the women's game and the contracts and the situation in, in that area of the game. Um, He was very bullish, I suppose, about the the health of, of Irish men's rugby, uh, and understandably so. You know, he's pointed out that Ireland are consisting the top four, of beaten the All Blacks, the under-20s have success, the Ireland men's sevens now are starting to get success. And he repeatedly mentioned that other unions and nations look to Ireland as a, a kind of trendsetter and game leader, and there's curious glances and, and other unions trying to find out how they're doing things. So, yeah, he was, I suppose, very... Um, he was enjoying the fact that, that things are going well in that in that department of the game. The one area he did flag for, for concern is that he thinks there are so many good young players coming through now, he's worried there won't be a- enough game time to go around for them, particularly with the URC reduction in, in fixtures, um, as we've spoken about before. And it was fascinating that he, he said, he basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, he said, listen, it's been great working with the Welsh, the Scots, the Italians over the last while, but we want to be, you know, in bed with the, the French, the English and the South Africans, particularly for that cohort of young players. Um, he He didn't give any detail or it doesn't even sound like he has a plan around that yet, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some new strand of competition coming in or potentially more like the Emerging Ireland Tour, more trips like that thrown into the mix. He very much had the same message as Andy Farrell that what Irish rugby has been doing in the past hasn't been sufficient when it comes to World Cups and that they need to do things differently. They need to take risks at times. He said friction is going to be... He welcomes friction, he said. He he thinks this is an important part of any high-performance system. So it's watch this space in that regard. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens, whether we have an Irish team in the Curry Cup. I actually said that to him and he said, you know, we have to consider all things. Someone suggested a fifth province based in Cork and he laughed and said... Uh, I think he kind of ruled that one out but he you know he didn't dismiss the idea of, of the RFU having a team in England even um, he said we've got to consider these things he 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 reminded us that financially that would not work and that's obviously a bit outlandish but it's interesting to see them pondering and considering all of that so yeah all in all it was a really interesting kind of mid-morning afternoon they scheduled it sorry just the last bit they scheduled it the morning after the Roby Riders of Ireland awards night which is generally obviously a, a big night for the rugby riders of Ireland. <laughs> um, so it was a 10 a.m. start. So I think there were a few groggy heads in the in the room, but we got there in the end.
1: Was that done deliberately, despite you guys?
0: Well, that's been discussed and speculated about. They insist not. <laughs> this was the only slot that, that worked. So we got to believe them on that front. Mm. Just on that,
1: <laughs> I suppose, on some of the prospective solutions then to... New uh, supports belief that some of our younger players don't get sufficient game time and to be fair I think a lot of people in Irish rugby would share that belief what would be the best plan to your mind like is it just the introduction of more A competitions again uh, like is there a is there a path here that would actually clear that up I guess from your point of view that would make the most sense or are you the same as everybody else where it's like no solution seems perfect let's just see which way they go with it eventually
0: I think it needs to be something that's yeah I suppose intermittently in the calendar I've been very vocal about my support for the AIL David Newsford he he, he mentioned again that listen it's great for young players to get game time that's how he sees the AIL he doesn't see it going back to former glories I'd love to see it Harness even a bit more but but I do think there has been progress in that but I think yeah we'll see something like maybe emerging Ireland tours or extra Ireland A fixtures as a permanent part of the calendar I think it's really important that the young players are still really attached and connected to their province and that their goal is to be a key leading player for Munster say let's take Jack Crowley starting at 10 as an example this weekend he certainly benefited from emerging Ireland as we've discussed, his confidence boosted, showed everyone, reminded everyone really of his talents, his swagger, his confidence, and he's come back. And maybe he would have advanced with Munster anyway, but it, it certainly feels it's given that little leg up. The Ireland coaches are certainly seeing him in a different light, having worked up close with him, seen his capabilities and some of his flaws as well, and, and recognise that these are the things we need to work on as well. But I think, you know, the end goal always for him should be I want to be Munster starting 10 and she, he should have enough opportunity to be there in the environment to to stake a claim for that jersey but certainly you can top up his exposure in those couple of years post under 20s and pre-becoming a key Munster player with maybe a couple of tours or you know one-off competitions that kind of thing and as we know with the Emerging Ireland tour there's got to be balance and you've got to respect what the provinces are doing and their stability and their need for numbers at training and numbers when you've got an injury crisis like Munster have at the moment. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't see, I, I honestly, I wouldn't see a fifth Irish team um, being launched anytime soon. I, I think that would really expose Irish rugby to a lot of risk financially as well. Um, so yeah, potentially more tours and maybe those kind of, Cup competitions there used to be a Churchill Cup I think you could have an Ireland A competition during November window like why not have a run of fixtures rather than just a one off why not have it like work with the other unions to have a, a B6 nations and obviously costs come into this as well but I think that would be really positive
1: mm, they're interesting ideas what was the lowdown on the women's contract situation then what was the mood music like around that table
0: yeah well I suppose from David Nusifor's point of view kind of you know nothing to see here we've offered contracts 29 have been taken up and and 8 rejected and that, you know, we expected this to be part of it. And that that is all fair. Like, you know, it was never going to be the case that everyone they offered a contract to was going to take it up here because people have jobs. And this is just a first step in hopefully Irish women's rugby becoming professional. It's not that you know it's not an overnight step into professionalism a lot of those 29 players who've accepted contracts were already on sevens contracts they've had their remuneration boosted which is fantastic and we'll see some 15s players it sounds like particularly the younger players will will grab these contracts and take the opportunity but older players who have careers have a a lot to, to ponder and on top of that just having contracts doesn't solve the issues that are really relevant in Irish rugby. We had a big, big piece about this last month before the the season kicked off about just the misalignment, lack of alignment, the messiness of the domestic game and the various tiers of it. And that, as far as I understand, is also the, the prominent concern for particularly the players based in England. What I've heard is that Nicola Friday, the Ireland captain, has turned down one of the contract offers and will stay with Exeter. And I haven't spoken to her, but my sense is that players based over there believe the competition structure... Is better to make them better players. They've got high quality training, really competitive games, and they don't see that back here in Ireland. They just see uncertainty over what's happening next. There's going to be a Celtic Cup launching, as New announced, but that's one Irish team against one Welsh and one Scottish team this year in a very short window. A lot of the Welsh and Scottish players are based in England, so they won't be involved in either. So you'd wonder about how how high a quality competition will be. There's still provinces playing. There's the AIL. And there's just a, it's just it's just not a clear clear plan for for the future. I think it is exciting if we get to a point where there was a Celtic Cup with four elite Irish teams and the resources were really pushing in that area. Potentially a European Cup, which has been spoke about, uh, spoken about coming online, and a a really clear calendar for the Irish players would be excellent. But that's not there at the moment. And everyone's talking about the value of the contracts, but that's not really the the point here. You know like for a player who's based in England they're as News 4 pointed out they're earning maybe 3,000 to 10,000 max it's not lucrative they could earn more by coming back here but that's not the point for them they're not coming back here to be mega bucks on a big contract you know they want to come back and they want to be better players is, is the key point here and they feel some of them feel they can get that in England Um, so yeah there's loads of road left in, in this I think it is good that it's happening now and that is it is that first step. You know, this happened in men's rugby as well. They were small contracts at the start. People had to make big decisions and it wasn't all really smooth. There are more issues I would say in, in women's rugby and getting that layer, the layers underneath the high performance really sorted first. Um, so yeah, there's 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 lots more to come in this story, Gav.
1: What about names on the back of jerseys? Any word from New South Wales as to whether Irish rugby <laughs> may follow? Uh, it's England and Scottish equivalents and Add names to the back of international jerseys. What do you think of that concept to begin with?
0: I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. It's a, this is what we were talking about on Wednesday. It's only one small measure. This isn't going to make uh, another million people spend money on rugby, but it's just good. Like, if you turn on the TV and you can instantly see the player's name and you go, oh, Jack Crowley did something cool there. I, I like that player. And you've got a little bit more of an attachment to him. I, I know people are hesitant because they think it'll end up with you know guys having a squad number but i don't think that would be bad either like, no it wouldn't i think it's cool in other sports that people are associated with number and it's very marketable isn't it
1: it absolutely is and i think probably well i, I don't know this for sure i've never really looked into it but i would imagine the idea in international sport all along and it's the same in football for the most part apart from at major tournaments where You would have a squad number for the tournament. They don't have names. And I guess it's that the jersey doesn't belong to you per se. It's your country's jersey. You're wearing it on a given day. But you know what? I think on a given day, it does belong to you. And you've earned it. You've earned the right to wear it for that 80 minutes. And I see absolutely nothing wrong with having your name on it for for those 80 minutes. And exactly as you say, just to have that little bit of um, Mm -hmm. a little bit more name recognition and to be able to make an association between somebody doing something amazing on the pitch and just a name rather than i'm talking about really if you're tuning in and you're not following these two teams religiously or if you don't know some of the players you don't have to go onto twitter and see
0: who was starting 11 there and it's just why not yeah we need and that yeah that hesitation you have you've rightly flagged there occurs to me as well and occurs to everyone in rugby oh you know it's a team game it's not my jersey that's kind of the Bullshit value stuff I was talking about on the, the Wednesday pod. Like we need to shed that. Just because you have a number associated, which it doesn't mean you're not a good teammate, that you don't respect the jersey, that you don't want to leave the club or province in a better place. We know all that. Like, you know, that's just normally human qualities. Just we don't need to flag that all the time, you know. Like, unless you're a really bad person, of course you want the team to, to do better. Um, and so yeah, I think it I think it's a, a really good idea. Uh we didn't ask news for about it, maybe should have, but they did ask him about the financial situation off the back of our chat. And again, he seemed bullish, I have to say. you know, he, he pointed to other people. He said, we'd way rather be in our shoes. We're in a reasonably strong position coming out of COVID. And he said, you know, we'll, we'll see the, latest, the next set of accounts and it, it should be a decent picture. So um, yeah, that, that's a positive for Irish rugby, of course. But I, I think this is good for England. I think Scotland are going to do the same. And I would be surprised if everyone doesn't have their names on their jerseys at some stage. I'd like to see it in GA as well,
1: inter-county GA, and for the same reasons it, it has never been adopted. But particularly with uh, women's GA, Camogie, ladies football, where you're trying to grow those games the same way we were having the conversation about rugby, get their names in people's eyes and in people's mouths. You know, grow the game by growing the personalities within it. Um, Monster Ulster tomorrow. We'll obviously dip into this in, in huge detail, I'd imagine, with Birch on Monday. You guys are going to record, even though it's a bank holiday for the 42 members. That's just, I mean, that's elite. <laughs> uh, the teams were just saying before we started recording, obviously it's a massive game for both, you'd imagine, particularly for Monster, given their start to the season. Before we touch upon that game briefly, though, some concerning noises coming out of the South Africa camp regarding Orkley-Snyman, uh, Razzy Erasmus basically <laughs> suggesting that he may be a doubt for the World Cup now you can read that verbatim and be immediately alarmed but I guess equally you can look at Snyman's last couple of seasons and treat Razzi's words with uh, uh, well I guess um, they make sense insofar as he just hasn't been fit regularly for such a long time of course he may be a doubt for the World Cup right
0: yeah, and he's he's talking about in that context that they need to get Jason Jenkins kind of up to speed and uh, he's obviously had one cap before but he's back in the mix base on his good form at Leinster and yeah, there's I, I suppose that link to Munster before and, and it's funny how things work out. Not funny for for Snyman and the, the worrying thing is that he is the first one to fully confirm the setback, which we had reported amongst others, I think. You know, I think it was something that Munster fans didn't want to believe but... Snyman was in with the Springboks over the summer, as you mentioned. They were hoping to have him back available, obviously, now, but he said there was a, a setback. So that is that is a worry. Like He's been out for over a year now with the re-rupture of the ACL. A horrific time for the guy. Um, and it's been tough for him off the pitch with other stuff as well. Um, and he also even had that fire pit accident when he was coming back the first time. It's just been a really horrible run. Munster made that decision to recontract him. I know at the time I, I... I I said I, I thought it was right to, to kind of say loyal to the player and I'm, I'm not going to change my opinion. I, I like that Munster kept the fate but it's been unbelievably unlucky that it's it's happened again and there's just now a real uncertainty. You know, anytime we've asked Munster about it they've just dodged a question. Um, You know, we again, we reported that he missed this first block of URC and, and you hoped that he might be fit and available in, in, in November but we just don't know at the moment and it, it kind of rumbles on and rolls on and that's amidst... Uh, injury crisis across the Munster squad but particularly now in their second row Tom Ahern went for a scan on his shoulder at the weekend I think it was missed at the end of the Leinster match where he, he was in real pain after uh, going to ground he now has to see a specialist and listen a scan is never good a specialist is really not good that's a a, a real big blow John Klein has another couple of weeks out they're missing Witcherly on oh, no, a uh, Finney Witcher, Paddy Kennedy, um, and they've just signed Kieran McDonald from, from Glasgow on a three-month contract uh, to to kind of give them a bit of cover there. I've seen that. I've seen that um, they've got Paul O'Connell's nephew, um, oh, Evan, rather, uh, on the bench this weekend. He's only 18, so he's kind of going to break Ruan Quinn's record as the youngest player ever. It didn't last too long, and he's obviously a big prospect, but that's not a position they would have envisaged being in, albeit very, very exciting, so... I mean, it's just, your heart does go out to, to Snyman, but I would be very worried by, by Razzie's comments there. Mm,
1: yeah, it, uh, I agree with you that they were right to recontract him because ultimately he would have put in an enormous amount of work in your building and under contract with you and to a degree that deserves to be rewarded with your loyalty, if that makes sense. And I know that <laughs> it's a lead sport and there isn't necessarily that room for sentiment, but I, I don't know. I think if a guy moves... Uh, you know switches country to work for you and just hasn't had an opportunity through bad luck and has put in the hard yards to actually get back only to suffer another setback i think take the hit even but just stick with them i think that stands for something at least
0: you're kind of it's a yeah it's a big hit and i know others have very different views from us it's a pity I, I don't know if birch thinks otherwise we'll, well i'm sure we'll hear from others who who think they made a mistake doing that it's been a big financial investment obviously hopefully you would imagine that Munster have some cover around that, um, but yeah, like it would be just brilliant to see the guy back playing rugby. As as Razi mentioned, he's freakish with his athleticism, what he can do in the game. Um, so so fingers crossed for him. Ulster. Obviously, absolutely flying it. They've named a
1: very strong team for this game at Toteman Park. And to be honest, if you look at the two teams, Ulster should win this game. Is the reality of the situation, but Munster. As much as we were like, I, I didn't think we, you were especially over the top critical of Monster on Monday or anything. You mentioned you weren't actually as impressed by their performance as some people were, and I actually think the, the consensus, if you like, among Monster fans was that no, they weren't great. They were just probably better than we expected, but they showed at least an element of grit and a little bit of dog, which is the the word the buzz term at the moment. They're going to need a lot of that tomorrow. If they're going to hold their own with Ulster, you'd imagine. But it also is an opportunity for Munster as well because if they can somehow sneak a win in this game, it's
0: potentially transformative. They're going to need a lot more than that and it's very tough amidst the, the crisis they have. They just haven't been playing good rugby and that's the this, stark this reality of it. it. Does that click overnight with another week of disruption? It's quite difficult to, to see if I'm being really honest. And as you say, like I think the opportunity here is Ulster really, and they shouldn't miss this opportunity. They've got a stronger team. They've had their obvious setback as well with the gastroenteritis outbreak in South Africa. It sounds like some of the, some of their players really struggled with that. I'm hearing about guys losing five or six kg with the you know in that short short window of time so they've obviously had to build themselves back up but it, it's a strong team on paper um, and I know they were very unhappy with the comments of um, from Martin and I during the week uh, more interesting comments in a presser he intimated that the early medical review into this suggested that Ulster and Glasgow may have picked up these bugs on the way to South Africa and um, which kind of flew in the face of the initial reports around the E. C. coli levels in Durban, obviously with the water, and obviously norovirus is, is prevalent-ish in, in South Africa. So I think also we're very frustrated about that, but they've got to refocus here and go on, and and win in Thoman Park, which has proven very, very difficult for them in the past. They've added a bit of ballast to their squad. Rory Sutherland is on the bench set for his debut rather than being released to play for Scotland. James Hume is back, and that's really exciting to see if he can start to pick up where he, he left off but there's there's a decent combination of experience and, and youthfulness in that squad and I, I am excited by some of the guys who are getting opportunities in Munster um, you know it's it's great amidst the, the challenges that they're going through that Pat Campbell, Jack Crowley and Barron starting again, a bows back from his brief injury uh, spell and, and even Evan O'Connell I think it'll be really exciting if he gets a, a spell off the bench but it looks like a a big ask for for Munster and I just think it's an opportunity that Ulster can't afford to miss. Yeah,
1: speaking about grit and dog, unbelievable effort by Ulster to beat the Lions if they had taken the virus down with them, right?
0: Yeah, we still don't know all the details. Like, and now you hear that maybe there were a couple of guys struggling around that game. Um, the URC have promised that there'll be a, they'll, they'll update us on that situation and indeed we'll find out if the fixture is going to be rescheduled as well, which... I don't know I don't know how that's going to look it's just such a pity it would have been such an unbelievable clash between you know a strong fully strong Ulster team and a fully strength Sharks team that probably won't be the case later on but um, they can begin to make up for it if they can win on the road in in Thoma Park Um, but as you say for Munster it is it is absolutely huge they've not got a good record this season based on on those poor performances and the home ones are the ones you really need to take off call that one for us before we wrap i go for
1: Ulster sneaking an away win. Nice. We'll see how that goes tomorrow and obviously connacht Lencer as well over the weekend and we'll be back on Monday. Murray and Birch looking back over those games and picking up on anything that develops over the weekend. But Murray, for now,
0: great to see you. Thanks, Emil. Cheers, Gav. There's usually... There's usually something unexpected isn't there before we head into pods so I'm looking forward to what it is. Enjoy the weekend down in Cork. Very jealous of you. Thanks
1: very much I will. Uh, I'll see you in person as well next Wednesday the 2nd of November we've got a live event coming up. Murray, Bernard Jackman, Will Connors and myself will preview the first test with South Africa. The tickets for that are available on Eventbrite. They're 15 euro. Doors open at 6. Show kicks off around 7. Chats, audience questions, prizes, a few drinks during and after if you're partial to that uh, and the lads on screen analysis which has proven so popular at all of our live shows so can't wait to see if you're you there uh, in the meantime mind yourselves have a great
0: weekend take
1: it easy I
0: don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field
1: Leinster could offer me 5 mil a year I wouldn't go <laughs> <laughs> it is Chaviro! Robbie Robbie weekly little reverse the pass